You are now listening to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I am your host, Daniel Lee of Photos by DLEE. So today we're going to be talking about is Reddit good for photography? Going over some news and pretty much main topic and the thing we're going to get into right now, which is as usual, personal updates. So not much has been happening me for me photography wise. I've honestly barely been shooting. Don't know what it is, just you know, like I have my periods where I shoot heaps and stop. This is a bit more of a downtime. I do notice, you know, I got all these ideas in my head for stuff I want to shoot. I just don't have the energy to actually do it, you know, the mental so the energy and the inspiration to do it. So I'm hoping that does come back soon. My wife is actually away at the moment on a sort of visiting family and that. So because she's away, I'm hoping that means that I'll be able to take photos a lot more because, you know, got a lot more free time without her around. So it sounds bad, but, you know, as you anyone that's in a relationship know, you probably spend the majority of time with your significant other. So, you know, you don't really get much time for yourself or if you have kids, you know, majority of the time goes to them. So, you know, when they're away, that's when it's time to do all your hobbies and relax and have fun in that. Otherwise, you know, just need to keep collating my ideas. You know, I need to keep looking at more photography. I've stopped looking at a lot of stuff. I stopped looking at the forums I usually visit. I haven't been keeping up with my feed on Reddit. Twitter, I don't, you know, I post, but I don't really view that much, which is pretty bad, you know. But I need to view a lot more as well. Otherwise, you know, over the next few weeks, one of my goals as well is to upgrade my PC storage. So, I got this PC about five years ago, and although I take quite a decent amount of photos, it's not that much, and I only keep the original RAWs, like slash DNG, and their JPEGs, but I don't actually keep like a PSD of all the edits or anything that I've done to it. So because of that, I haven't used that much storage. I have a two terabyte hard drive, and that's like starting to get full. So, you know, and my normal storage is like storages for other stuff is getting full as well. So I just need to get like a bigger OS drive and maybe like one or two, thinking about like two six terabyte drives or eight terabyte drives and just clone everything over to them. And then I'll be good for like a long time because it will probably like last me longer than the drives would last me if I have eight terabytes. And then eventually I want to set up a NAS as well. So that's why maybe I will go lower like six terabytes each drive just because, you know, in the not too distant future, next two, three years, I do plan to start a NAS. And I want to get that to be at least like 20, 30 gigs, maybe just as like everything, photos, media, that kind of stuff. Otherwise, my asthma is still really bad as well. If I don't go outside for the whole day, don't open the door, it'll be fine. As soon as I go outside and the pollen makes me sneeze, makes me cough, really, really bad. So currently, you know, as I'm recording this, I have to keep pausing the recording just to cough. So it is honestly quite a bit of a hassle, but either way, I'll make do. That's it pretty much for my personal update, so we'll get into the news. So Sony has announced the Alpha A7R Mark V. So, you know, this is a very long anticipated camera. Usually they come out every two years. I think it's been like three or four years now since the A7R 4 came out. So this features a brand new AI focusing system called Real-Time Recognition. So this is essentially a deep learning trained system that can detect not only humans, but also birds, animals, planes, trains, cars and insects. The camera features the same 61 megapixel backside illuminated XMOS CMOS sensor found in the A7R4, but uses a new Bionz XR processor. It has in-body image stabilization rated up to 8 EV, continuous 
shooting up to 10 FPS with flash, a JPEG or lossy compressed RAW, like only for that compressed continuous shooting at the 10 FPS. It has a fully articulated rear screen on tilt out cradle. So if you're not too sure what that is, if you've seen a tilt camera, it usually has like a little extra bit so that it's hard to describe, a little piece of metal that'll pull out and that's what you're tilting sort of thing. So it can tilt both ways. This one has that as well as the fact that it can fully articulate. So it can pretty much do everything you want it to do. There's people that complain that, you know, blah, 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 fully articulated isn't as good for stills photography, but even when it is, you just need to actually get used to it first. But either way, this, you know, if you prefer tilt only, this does that. If you prefer fully articulating like me, this does it. It does everything for everyone. So there's literally zero reason to complain about it now. I have seen people online complain that it only, that it does both rather than just one tilt only because they only want tilt, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard because, you know, it has more function rather than less. Otherwise, it also does focusing bracketing mode with stacking via the computer has a multi-shot pixel shift high-res mode with motion compensation, also via computer. It has sensor shift dust removal and closes shutter with power off option. Has smaller RAW options, which is you know something people have wanted on Sony for a long time. The A7R5's Wi-Fi now offers two times two MIMO, so multiple in, multiple out compatibility. This means it should be able to use parallel channels of communication to other MIMO devices. This helps the camera deliver wireless tethering despite its larger file size. The Wi-Fi can still be used for sending and receiving files to, uh, to smartphones, and it worked well for using the current version of the image, Imaging Edge Android app. The body shape is similar to the A7S3, which itself was a sort of evolution of the A7R4, so it's good to see. Both slots, so it's dual card slots, obviously. Both slots accept either CF Express Type A or UHS Type 2, so it's good to have those options because the CF Express Type A cards are very pricey. It still uses a NPFZ100 battery. It has a recommended price of $6,899 and will be available late October. That's US pricing, obviously. In Australia, I think I've seen it for around 6,000 AUD. Now, the article also states this makes it $400 more expensive than the Mark IV was at launch in itself an expensive camera than its predecessor, though supply chain shortages and inflation will account for some of that increase. So this camera obviously out of my budget, but I really like it. Seems like a really great refine refinement to the four. I know some people wanted a newer, higher res sensor, but to me 60 is already, 61 is already so high. The higher you get, the harder you're going to have an issue with FPS, high ISO performance. So this seems the more reasonable and wise route to go by just, you know, revising that previous sensor and that rear articulating screen or tilt reticulating screen is just amazing. Really, really happy with that one. I'm guessing the slightly higher FPS as well is more than likely, you know, trying to counter something that the R5 can do, even though the R5 can still shoot a lot more. So they are still protecting their A1 in that regard. If you do want, you know, really fast readout, that kind of stuff, plus high FPS, the A1 is your camera to get. Next up, TT Artisan have announced a new APS-C 27mm f2.8 autofocus lens for Fuji mount. This is the first autofocus lens for the Chinese manufacturer. The company says that the new aviation aluminium body lens features a tiny and portable form that is characterized by its compact pancake design and versatile 41mm equivalent. It has a 35mm full frame focal length uh, for everyday shooting, 
I, you know, the lens has a manual focus override. Aperture is mainly adjustable with a clicking aperture ring found near the front of the lens that ranges from f2.8 to f16 on its extreme ends. Has six elements in five groups with a seven bladed aperture. Minimum focusing distance of 13.8 inches, otherwise known as 35 centimeters. A 39 millimeter front filter thread. USB-C for um, port for updating the lens, which is always great to see, is 93 grams and it's starting from 149.99 USD and available immediately. I, when I looked at the site in AUD, I believe it was around 350 AUD, so that's a pretty decent price. It's much, it's about 200 cheaper than the Fuji one, so that's still a good saving. You know, when I owned the Fuji version of this lens, I really did not like it, mainly due to the AF noise and the AF accuracy. So once there's some solid reviews of this lens, if image quality is great, AF actually is silent like they claim and fast and accurate, this could definitely be a future purchase for me. Because, you know, it's always great to have a small prime lens you can take somewhere. You know, I still kind of, I haven't been to wrestling yet and I really wanted the pancake lens to take to wrestling because I'll be allowed to take it in. But I just don't know, you know, what to do in that regard because maybe I could buy this lens and use that when I go there so I can at least have a photo at wrestling. But uh, I don't know because I just don't know about the camera whether it'll allow my XS10 in well, whether it would be too big. Otherwise, next up, Canon Japan are to increase prices on 19 cameras and 42 lenses. So Canon Japan is set to increase prices that span its entire interchangeable lens camera division, including multiple camera bodies, lenses, and cinema EOS products. These take effect on November 4th and include 19 cameras, 42 lenses, two binoculars, two compact digital cameras, one cinema EOS camera, and one professional video camera for a total of 67 products across its entire imaging line. These prices change are in addition to the 17 RF lenses and one camera that saw a price increase earlier in the year. The increases affect basically all of Canon's well-known cameras, including all of the new RF cameras such as the R5, R7, R3, as well as all the DSLRs like the 1DX Mark III, 5D Mark IV and the 6D Mark II. So both the EOS R5C and the XF605 cinema camera are also affected by this increase. The amount of the increase is currently unknown, but it's believed to be substantial. So for example, the EOS R5 is currently available in Japan for 460,000 yen, which is about 3,068 USD, which will increase to 520,000 yen. Otherwise, you know, which is about 3,468 dollars and 59 us so you know 400 practically price increase which is yeah quite a lot for us anyway but us they put the price up like crazy all the time so it's not that strange for us now the eos r3 canon's most recent high-end camera in addition is available for 680 yen but it's increasing to 780 yen so that's going from about 4535 usd to 5202 USD. So, you know, huge seven, what, $700 increase or so on November 4th. Canon's RS 600mm F4 is currently available for 1,000, sorry, 1,645,454 yen, but that'll increase to 1,698,000 yen, which is going from USD 10,975 to USD 11,326, so $400 price increase. The RF24105 is also going up by 10,000 yen, otherwise known as about 100 USD. So 
That one's probably one of the most modest increases and not as bad. It isn't clear yet if these price increases will sort of be carried over to the West. Canon USA did tell Petapixel that these price increases are coming from Canon's marketing Japan, not from Canon Inc. A slight but important distinction as such the price increases may or may not come to the United States. The article does note that after publication, Canon USA provided further clarity on the role of Canon Marketing Japan. Canon Marketing Japan is subsidiary. They decided to raise, price, raise prices and have discretion to do so just like a dealer or Canon Solutions America do here in the States. Considering you know most of these lenses are manufactured in the US, to me I would say that more than likely we're going to see price increases overseas as well. Like in Australia here, they will increase the price at any chance they get. You know, I was talking to my friend, he wants to swip, swap over from Canon to Sony and he has the 100 to 400, I think it's Mark II, F4.5 to 5.6. Now that lens, I was interested, it came out in 2014. So it's about eight years old now. Now, if you look at the Sony version of that same aperture, has IS, I think it's a little bit lighter. I think, I can't say for certain. But it came out in 2020, so it's only two years old. That Sony one is $1,000 cheaper compared to the Canon EF lens. So obviously you got the RF lens, which is even higher priced than the EF lens. But to me, it's just insane that the mount, Canon have said that mount is pretty much dead. They're not going to be making any more EF bodies, you know, and they're not going to make more lenses unless there's massive demand for it, which there isn't. So the mount is dead. Why would you charge such a significant amount for something so old? It, you know, I can go on about the old day. I, I've covered it too many times, but it just does my head in. But yeah, so if you're using Canon, you're in Japan or anywhere, might be an idea you want to get gear soon, get it ASAP before these prices go up. The R6 Mark II is rumored to be announced as well. I believe tomorrow for us, the November 2nd, I remember reading was the rumored announcement date, which would be pretty much today for we're in... Sydney, you know, like Australia. So today out of a recording, I'm releasing it on the same day, 1st of November. So for us, it'll be, but more than likely, I'm guessing it'll be Wednesday. The, the third sort of thing, third really early in the morning for us is when it usually announces. I think that's when Japan usually does it by US time. Either way, that'll be interesting to see what the R62 has to offer. Rumors are saying it's going to have the same sensor as the R3, which would be crazy if it does. It'd be interesting to see the price as well. Well, the price did leak. That and the RF 135L have both leaked. So be interesting to see. Either way, let's get on to the main topic. So today's main topic is all about Reddit. So I'm always interested in new places to post my photos, you know, because sometimes some places can get boring. People you interact with stop using it or, you know, just the general traffic dies down and you feel like you need somewhere new to post to make it fun again. Now, I often browse Reddit for other stuff like, you know, they have Reddits for Reddit pages or subreddits they're called for the city you live in. So you get to see all stuff that's happening in your city, news, um, you know, I do ones for wrestling, games, TV shows, that kind of stuff. Funny enough, I even created a subreddit for TPE. I was hoping that I'd have a lot more engagement by now and that people could post photos on there and discussions would all join in. But that hasn't happened, you know, not many people is listening it still after all these years. You know, sometimes I question where I'm going to keep doing the podcast, but it's another story. Otherwise, you know, I created that hoping that that could grow because you can limit as well who can view that subreddit. So that works as well. But otherwise, you know, it can be used for lots of stuff. So first, I thought it'd be good to explain what it is, how it works and why it's a great site to upload photos to. So if you Google it, the description of it, 
it would say Reddit is a social news website and forum where content is socially created and promoted by site members through voting. The name is a play of the words, I read it. So yeah, pretty much like that says, if you think of a forum, you have your, you know, sub forums, you know, like the Canon forum, Nikon forum, and then the posts within that. So on Reddit, you have Reddit, the actual site, then you have your subreddits, which are the sub forums, and the posts all go in there. Now, I hope it doesn't sound too complicated. It's a lot easier when you use it, you know, you have your own explore page, that kind of stuff, recommended posts. It works like any other social media, but here's why I like it for photography. So first off, image quality. Now, you know, this is a big area that I always criticize Instagram and any other website like Facebook, that kind of stuff about how poor the image quality is and how like low resolution, pretty much how it compresses the images and downgrades them so badly you can't even tell if an image is sharp or not. That is not an issue on Reddit. So images are displayed really well in excellent detail on both desktop and on mobile. I don't believe they do any downsizing because on certain subreddits when you upload a photo, like there's a subreddit I took a picture, when you upload it to there, I think there's another one as well, you have to put the image dimensions and whatever dimensions people upload, it seems to stay as that because when you right click on it, open its own tab, that image, you'll be able to see that, you know, it's still got that same resolution if you were to save it again. So that is really great. Any site that doesn't ruin the image quality and ruin the images, just like how, you know, Twitter have been starting to like increase the image resolution and now Reddit have really great image resolution and it's got that social aspect. You know, it's a great site to post on, especially if you're like me and you like your images to actually display how they do on your monitor, you know, same sharpness, same quality, and not just like have to crop them unnecessarily or have them be downscaled and downres just because you're uploading it to them. And all they care about is saving your information and selling it to marketers, <clears throat> Instagram. Next up is the communities. So not so much communities, but you know, subreddits. So there are so, so many to choose from. So doesn't matter what brand you choose, there are generally brand subreddits for everything. Sony, Canon, Nikon, Depending on which one you shoot, Fuji as well, I join, I use the Fuji and Sony one a lot. Depending on which one you use is how good they are. The Canon one isn't that great, to be honest. Not Nothing against Canon, because obviously these aren't run by like the company themselves. These are just run by someone that made them ages ago. And the person that runs the Canon one, he they don't like photos. They pretty much want mainly discussions only, so it's kind of boring. They did start doing a lens of the week thing where you can only post photos of that, you know, lens that's the, so say this week is a 50 IR50L, you can only post photos with that lens. It's pretty stupid, to be honest. I know some people don't like it, some do. They reckon that the, I've seen the main criticism is if you allow photos, it's going to suffer the text post, but it's all fake, you know, it's stupid because when you look at the Sony subreddits, Fuji subreddits, they pretty much, I'd say like 50-50 photos and discussions. It's not like it's only photos or only discussions. It's a good mix, which is, you know, what you want. It's stupid to not be able to post, you know, photos of you took with that sort of brand in that sort of thing. But, you know, I can say for stuff like the Sony subreddit, the Canon subreddit, they're, you know, Sony, sorry, Sony and Fuji, they're great. I haven't used the Nikon one because I never shot Nikon, so I had nothing to post, but those ones are very good. You got your general discussion ones like our photography, that one, you know, Pretty much they have days where you can post your work, days you can post like a special thread where you can post anything you've been working on, frustrations, successes, um, just, you know, general people asking gear advice, that kind of stuff. 
You have subreddits dedicated to gear, like buying advice, um, you know, flash advice, using flash. You know, you got long exposure ones. You got general photo ones. Like I took a picture. That one's a very popular one. Long exposures to the ones I sort of subscribe to. Just our photo. It's a general, not so much a photography one, just anything photo related. There's so, so much. I could go on all day about the different ones. But main thing is there are so many communities you can join and be active in, in there. There's also no limit on content. So what I mean by that is, obviously, you know, the general limits, they always apply to every site. No illegal stuff, you know, like I don't even want to say, but no sick illegal content, you know, like obviously that kind of stuff is banned. But, you know, not not safe for work content. So say you're a badour, well, I don't even know how to say it, nude photographer. I'm just going to call it, say you shoot nude models. You can post it on there and assuming, you know, that subreddit allows it. Some don't allow nudity. Some on Reddit, you actually have a filter. So uh, safe for work mode where, you know, it either won't show any nudities, it'll hide any posts that you flag as safe for work or not safe for work. Or you can have like a blur mode where it does allow those kind of posts, but they're blurred out. So, you know, that way, if you want to view Reddit anywhere, train, work, and one of those posts do come up in your feed, you know, you're not going to have to be embarrassed or worried or get in trouble at work kind of stuff. So, you know, if, you know, that was a big thing that killed Tumblr because they got rid of all the not safe for work content. So a lot of artists who did that kind of stuff couldn't post it on there and they left. Reddit doesn't have that problem. As Although it is dependent on sub, keep in mind that subreddit. You can also create your own subreddit. So say you're a very popular photographer or that kind of stuff, or you have a particular genre that's very niche and there's not many people to do it and you don't find a subreddit for it. You can create your own subreddit and invite members and people can post. You can create your own rules, post limits, whatever, that kind of stuff higher mods or that kind of thing, create user flare. So, you know, it has like a name. So, so for example, on Sony, my user flare is what my gear is. So every time I post just next to my name, it says what my gear is. Or, you know, some, I think it's our photography allows you to put your Instagram handle as your user flare, that kind of stuff. So there's so much cost customization, so much you can do and so much you can change. Now, how posts work is when you post a photo, a text post, anything, it's a voting system, which is called Karma. So you can either upvote or downvote. Now, when you first start Reddit, some subreddits will limit if you can post in that subreddit or not based on the Karma you have. So if you have very low Karma, then like, or negative Karma, you may not be able to post there or if your profile is too young. Or if you have really high Karma, then you know, you'd be fine. Now, this is good and bad. So if you post a really good photo, you know, maybe you will have a, a ton of, karma given to you. So, you know, I think I've had like a thousand or more upvotes on a photo I posted before. So because of that, I had a significant amount of karma, several thousand karma, you know, which is good for posting everywhere. Now, if you use your stuff, for, use your radar for other stuff and you share an unpopular opinion. So for example, unrelated photography on my profile, an old one, I said, I really enjoyed this game, which was The Last of Us 2. I thought it was an amazing game. By me simply saying that I enjoyed it, I got downvoted like, you know, 20, 50 downvotes just for saying that. So they try and, you know, downvote you, ruin your karma of that. So you do have to be careful. There is that issue with that. In certain subreddits, you don't really notice it. But, you know, I think in photography, I don't see it that much. I've never seen people downvote, you know, someone's post that much, but it's more political or gaming, that kind of stuff. Like when COVID was big, you know, people say, you know, anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers, they would get downvoted a lot, that kind of stuff. 
So it's good and bad, but that's pretty much how it works as a voting system. So, you know, if you post on a forum, your post your, might be there for ages. With Reddit, it won't stay there as long because people are constantly posting. It's a lot more faster paced and faster action, that kind of stuff. You can obviously customize your view when you want new posts. So you see everything in a chronological order or if you want like what's hot. So in other words, you know, a huge amount of upvotes, um, top posts, you know, most popular of comments and upvotes, I think it is controversial, I think with lots of upvotes and downvotes. So there's heaps of stuff to do. And most importantly, there is a huge user base. So just on the R Photography subreddit alone, there's about 4 million users. And I think I took a picture has sort of over 1 million people as well. So there's a lot of people there that you can sort of look for. So depending on, you know, if you want, okay, so I just checked as well, 4 million users on I took a picture as well. So if you want to discuss, you have 4 million people that you can ask questions from, from I, from our photography. If you want to post your photos, I took a picture has 4 million people that you can post to. So plenty of options. So yeah, that's pretty much mostly all about Reddit. So I don't know if you have any questions about it, you want to give it a try, you can follow me on there. I started to actually include that in my links now, mainly because, you know, I actually post on there regularly. So I'm trying to, you know, get into it a lot more. Otherwise, you want to see more, check out Reddit. Obviously, it doesn't cost anything. I'm not promoted by them or anything. I'm just saying it literally doesn't cost anything. So you can easily just try it out. You don't like it, delete your profile, whatever. They don't allow username changes though. So when you choose your um, username, make sure you choose very carefully. Otherwise, if you want to hear more episodes, please make sure to subscribe. There's plenty of other previous episodes on all your podcast apps as well as at thephotographyenthusiast.com. If you want to see my personal work, you can find me at photosbydlwe.com. I'm photosbydlwe on Twitter and on Reddit. You can, in the show notes, all these links are there, including my Flickr, which I post a lot to as well. Um, if you want to suggest a topic you think I might be able to cover, there's a link to that in the show notes. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Take care and enjoy yourself.